0: Welcome into the, the clap trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on ninety point seven WKKL.
1: I just can't. It's, it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to. It's so hard to grip the ball. I just, you know, I mean, for Pete's sake, it's it's part of the reason why almost every player on the field has has something, regardless if they're a pitcher or not, to help them help them control the ball um i think that um i don't have a solution but again we're we're al- we are aligned in in a lot of areas with the commissioner's office on this and um please just please just talk to us please just work with us i know you have the hammer here but um you know there there's there's, uh, we've been living in a gray area for so long. Um, I would just hate to see players get hurt. I would, I would hate to see balls start flying at people's heads. I had a really tough time gripping the baseball tonight, uh, especially early when it was windy. So um, I don't really care to be inflammatory here, Joel. I just, uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: Can we all just agree that Garrett Cole is probably the one that we don't want talking in these scenarios anymore? I mean, I, I guess I enjoy it a lot because I find it very funny, but this guy just uh, – I, I, he always puts his foot in his mouth, and I think that he's not the only one of the professional starting pitchers right now that is kind of acting like a baby and saying things that just sound so dumb. But, I, I mean, uh, Garrett Cole – and this whole spider tack issue in baseball is just so fascinating to me that it's going to be my, uh, you know, sticking point for the MLB going forward. I am just very uh, attached to this topic, so we are going to explore that as much as possible. Uh, because it, hey, if you're a casual fan of baseball, I think it is making the game interesting again. Right? It, it, these scandals are what kind of makes baseball interesting to me. Uh, I enjoyed the steroid era. I've said this before. I don't like it what it did to people's bodies, but I enjoyed the fact that there was crazy home run hitters and uh, you know all these um, you know monsters of the game just just destroying baseballs left and right. And it's starting to seem like maybe that's going to come back in the game of baseball because of the lack of spider tack and or other sticky substances that pitchers can use now. So I I find it very funny that in those comments as well. Uh Garrett Cole almost starts threatening towards the end that, hey, you know, it's out of our hands at this point. We can't grip baseballs. We're only professional starting pitchers. We can't grip these baseballs. We're not strong enough to do that. So now I just hope that no baseball start flying at players' heads. I can barely grip the ball. That sounds pretty bad, Garrett. I, 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 I mean, um, I, you know, that is just tough. That is a tough thing to say. In this whole scenario here, when you're trying to prove your point that you need to have these illegal sticky substances, I, I just find it funny. I find it funny, um, you know, that play, he's saying things like every player has something that is being used to help control the ball a little bit more. I'm pretty sure that the only thing they used to have, you know, uh, 30, 40, 50 years ago in the game of baseball was maybe some pine tar Uh, or something like that, now you are using a literal, uh, you know, sticking agent that I I mentioned in the last episode is used by world strongmen to be able to hold up boulders. That's what you're using now. So it's a little bit more intense than just having some pine tar for a little extra stick on your uh, or or whatever you you end up putting there. So um, I, I find it very funny that all of the pitchers are clamoring right now for excuses and it all just seems like you guys can't handle actually pitching. So it, I, f- I find that very funny. And and the games are changing now, obviously, since since all this spider tech information has come out. Pitchers have obviously stopped using all sticky substances as a, in fear of being in trouble. And so now you have all of these games that are scoring like crazy. Last night, for example, eight of the 10 MLB games had at least 10 runs scored in them. Think about that. That's ridiculous. Ten runs at minimum in eight out of the ten MLB games last night. That's wild. So for any of you guys out there who are gamblers, uh, the over with spider Tack being gone is, is starting to look pretty good because <laughs> these bats are, uh, uh, you know, working now. Uh, For the Red Sox in particular, uh, they just had two back to back 10 to 8 wins over the Atlanta Braves. 10 to 8 in both games. They scored 20 runs in two games and also gave up 16. That's insane. That's crazy. That is that is an exciting version of baseball from from a hitting standpoint. Uh, And, you know, it's it's it makes the game more exciting, in my opinion. I mean, if you think about it with the Red Sox, since spider Tack has become a thing, right? Other than the the final game of the four game set against the Blue Jays on Monday night, where it was only a two to one game, every single game they've had. Since dating back to about, I'm I'm just looking back on their schedule right now. Till uh, since June 5th against the Yankees, uh, has had at least you know ten runs in, in basically every one of these games. Eight to ten runs in every single one of these games. It's ridiculous. So the scoring has exploded. Um, you know, pitchers are are upset about it. You got Garrett Cole there, who's supposed to be one of the best pitchers in the game, now acting as if there's no chance that he'll be able to be a good pitcher if he doesn't have sticky substances, to which I say, were you ever really a good pitcher at all then? You went from being on the Astros, one of the, the biggest cheaters of the last five to ten years, and then you go to the Yankees, and now all of a sudden your spider attack isn't being allowed to, you know, happen anymore, and now you're 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 worried about player's safety? You're worried that you can't grip the ball when it's windy and that you might start throwing at player's heads? You're worried about player's safety? Come on, man. That's just not the right thing to say there. That can't be, right? Nobody can agree that that's the right thing to say. You're basically threatening that you know, and and crying, you're kind of throwing a little bit of a tantrum and being like, if I can't get my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home, or I'm going to start throwing at players' heads or inside on them and injuring people. Is that what you want? Is that what you want me to do? Because that's what I'm going to be forced to do. All right, so we are talking about spider attack in the MLB and how it is ruining every... Uh, pitchers day basically uh they they are all upset it seems and it's coming out of the woodwork um and it's especially affecting the red Sox pitchers who uh you know it, it looked like they were having the most ridiculous season pitching wise after everyone and their mother knew that going into this year the Sox didn't have any starting pitching really right chris sale was going to be injured um you had Erod, who everyone thought was at least serviceable. He turns out to be now not so much. Uh, and and Evaldi, I guess, is your only legitimate pitcher. He was the one in that 2-1 to game against the Blue Jays. He He's the only one who's kind of keeping it together right now. And maybe he is not using as much of the spider tack or whatever it is. But it seemed like he came in with a new pitch this year. Uh, I believe he has a new changeup. And then, you know, he's been doing solid. But otherwise... You had guys like Nick Pavetta and uh, Garrett Richards and, and and you know these pitchers who you didn't think you were going to get much of anything at, at all from them, and then they start dominating, right? Nick Pavetta, up until a couple of starts ago, was undefeated on the season. Uh, Garrett Richards was starting to come back into his own of looking like a pitcher that was two years ago, uh, the same pitcher he was two years ago, which was pretty dominant until he got injured. So... These players were getting an extreme advantage all of a sudden in this season where we all thought or or most people thought that they weren't going to have much pitching. The bats were going to be good and maybe be able to keep them in some games and then you got maybe one starting pitcher who you can rely on. And then the rest of the time, you're, you're going to be, you know, just uh, hoping that the bats can get you enough runs. Well, it's back to that now. We are back to the situation where it's if we don't outscore them, we're going to give up a ton of runs. So that that is going to cause a lot of losses. That's where we're at right now. But yeah, had also I, I did the Garrett Cole commentary there i I enjoy listening to that guy because he just sounds like this big windy baby and he clearly doesn't know how to talk when he's in these interviews so i enjoy that very much so that side of it i wanted to keep going but um you know he's not the only one garrett richards for the for the red sox also had some comments after the red sox won a 10 to 8 game against the braves in which tons of runs were given up obviously uh he had some major comments talking about that that i'm just going to kind of read off for you guys right now when he was asked about it he said i think tonight spoke for itself i'm not going to get caught up in all of it but i but i'll definitely say it's starting to affect people people and their careers we're going to follow the rules but this is the game you're going to get. So once again, I find it funny that all of these baby pitchers, their immediate reaction is to go to threatening areas, right? This is what you're going to get, right? That's This is affecting people's careers, well, I think, yeah, it's affecting people's careers because when they were using the Spider Tack, they were going on to have these ridiculous pitching stats, and then all of a sudden they're getting these insane MLB contracts like Garrett Cole, who got this ridiculous hundred and ninety million over certain amount of years contract to play for the Yankees because the Yankees always give these gigantic contracts and things like that. So people are making gigantic leaps in contract situations based off of the fact that they're using spider tack this is creating longer careers for pitchers who just can't pitch they don't know what they're doing up there they're just spinning the ball as much as they can and hoping for the best outcome is what it seems like so i find it funny that they're first just going to let's just complain and then threaten Right, complain and threaten seems to be the move. So he continued to go on and say that I can't think of a worse time to be honest with you when asked if this was you know a a tough time for them to be bringing this up. Yeah, I'm sure it's a tough time for any of the pitchers uh, that are using these kind of substances. But he continues saying, if you just watch baseball across the league, you're going to see some interesting things. Be prepared for four-hour-long games and some interesting things. I don't know. I'm just grateful that I got this far into my career before we're at this point. So you're saying you're lucky that they you were able to cheat this much to get to this point in your career. Before they caught on to it or before it was brought up and became a major issue that everyone's complaining about. So now you're not going to be able to pitch the way you used to. So you're giving yourself the excuse. And then also in the same breath, you were you were threatening, get ready for super long four-hour games, right? So And, and, and seeing some interesting things. Once again, I, I just find it funny that their immediate reaction is to not only complain, but threaten that things will get much worse which will who will they get much worse for because i think that this is going to be a good thing for the casual fan maybe it's not going to be good for the diehard baseball fan who wants to be the nerd analytics type that you you know they're 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 trying to get these crazy pitching stats and all of that but the average or the casual baseball fan is looking for exciting games with home runs and crazy runs and and balls in play and batters doing crazy stuff that is what's going to keep your sport alive Right. I still think that we should go to the the pitch clock idea, but now it's going to be even better because the pitchers don't have all these illegal substances to get all this spin rate up on the ball. But to continue with the Richards comments, he said, as soon as I get on the field, I put sunscreen on. Well, now I can't do that. On top of that, the only thing that's provided is the rosin bag on the back of the mound, which, to be honest with you, is completely useless. It does nothing. It barely even dries up sweat. It might as well not even be there. I can't even think of how many times over the entire course of my career that I've gone to the back of the rosin bag. It, it by itself doesn't do anything. So, uh, okay, so the one thing that pitchers have been given for as long as I know, right, I don't know when the rosin bag was actually uh, brought into the game, but I know that it was used by pitchers back way back in the day, right, 50s, 60s, uh, that kind of stuff there, that was their version Of spider tack or something like that. And like I said, they they definitely used pine tar as well. That was the other substance, but it was mostly because of the rosin bag trying to dry up your hands, get a little bit more grip on the ball. Understandable. I get that. And I have heard a good take that would say... If you're going to change anything about the rules, maybe you change what the substance on the rosin bag would be, right? Maybe you put a little something into the rosin bag that helps the pitchers out, and now it's something that literally every pitcher can use because it's a part of the game and it's sitting right there on the mound. It's a legal piece of equipment that can be used to help with the gripping of the ball. That would be a great way to actually, you know, police this whole situation, give the players what they want, right? The pitchers, all these pitchers who are complaining get what, something that gives them a little bit more grip, but you can monitor it. It's not something where this guy's going to have 10 times more grip than the other pitcher because he's using spider tack as opposed to, uh, you know, avocado in his glove, which I think that that was a John Lester thing that happened. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it would be something that would allow you to make it even or more even for everyone. So... I I think that that's the only real way that you can go. If you want to keep any sticky substances in the game, you're going to have to police it that way. And Garrett Cole said it in his comments there. Uh, The MLB has the hammer. Just work with us. Would you please just work with us? Just complaining and being a baby again. I find it funny. I just find it funny uh, that him, and now you got these Garrett Richards comments, uh, and there's other pitchers that are complaining. It's just funny to me that that is your move to just complain and then threaten. All right, we're going to switch it up now, uh, move on to the NBA. Uh, and I have Coach Kamire joining me back in the building again, back from vacation. How are we, Coach? Impeccable. Impeccable. Very Cam Newton-esque of you uh, to say that, but we'll get to them in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about the Celtics because last week I was talking about some recent Celtics news that I didn't get to discuss with you. Uh, I kind of feel like I already know where you're going to go uh, with everything, but it's the the Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker you know, words are fun, uh, news that he is wanting out of Boston as much as Boston wants him out, so... That's that's kind of interesting, right? I, I kind of thought that he was going to be the kind of guy that wanted to stay, but maybe maybe now he's just sick of Boston too. How do you feel about that at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the writing is kind of on the wall for Kemba at this point. Where you know we let you kind of go about the season this year, not playing a whole lot of games, resting you right uh, for the playoffs, and then you don't really make a big splash in the playoffs at all. Even with Jalen Brown out, you know that's when your role should have
0: expanded, right? And you—that was your be, time to step up and yeah, yeah and be contributing the, more. Number and then, two,
2: you know you don't even play in game, uh, you know four or five. Yeah. It's like very disheartening for all Boston fans. Yeah.
0: So, at least the ones that thought that you were going to actually show up when it when it came to crunch time. I was—I yeah. think we were both very skeptical on like. Is he going to actually show up at that point? You want to believe that he would, but he didn't.
2: Yeah, that was like my thing. Was it's like, all right, like if you are going to do it, man, you got to do it now. Like, you know, and he just, you know, he didn't do it. So he didn't do it. um, For me, it's like, okay, like where do we go from here? Like, is there really a market for Kemba Walker anywhere in the league? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know about that. And it's like, would we be better suited moving Kemba Walker to, uh, you know, a lesser role? You know, where maybe he's not a starter. Mm-hmm. He's uh, you know, a six man like bench player to provide a spark of the bench. He can play limited minutes, you don't have to rely on him being on the court as much. But then again, on the other side of that coin is the fact that you are now paying top dollar right. for yeah. a bench player. That's so, the tough part. Uh, in my opinion, I don't think he can start here anymore. Um, but it just doesn't make sense uh, you know trading him for nothing at right. this point either so. so that's
0: the problem he's he's obviously damaged goods right he's mm-hmm. not he's not going to give you the return that uh, uh what is he making 120 million over four or five years i don't know what yeah, you yeah. know what his deal is but Too something much. ridiculous like that he's not going to give you the return of that so you're going to have to get pennies on the dollar for him uh, And so I, I think that he's not going to want to take that type of a role. I wish that that was an option, but I also wouldn't want that, like you said, with the contract. The one take that I have heard about this that I think is good news for him coming out and saying he wants a breakup too or having the reports be that way is it's not as much or, or it's easier for him to convince another team that he wants to be good, he's going to be healthy, he's ready to go have a new opportunity rather than the Celtics are just trying to you know dump this asset that is no longer what they thought it was and he, he might want to still stay with the Celtics but they're just getting rid of him anyways because they can see the writing on the wall kind of thing. So it, it bodes better for us making a trade in that sense because he's going to be able to convince another team, hey New York, hey LA, hey whoever it is, I want to come back and I want to be that Kemba Walker that you saw two or three years ago right? and and be consistent with that. So that might be good from the trade standpoint. I still don't think you're going to get a ton for him, though.
2: Yeah, I don't think so either, man. It just seems like uh, his career, without his ability to stop and start and hit his mid-range jump shot, which he
0: can, but it's just half the time, right? It's, just, it's every other game he can do that.
2: Yeah, it's just, I just don't think he has the same confidence in it with the mm-hmm. way, with where his knees are at, at this right. point of his career.
0: Right, yeah, it's uh, it's the kind of thing where. Like I said, you're going to have to trade for basically another bad asset. So I've seen, uh, you know, rumors out there of players like you trade him and try and get uh, Christophs Prozingis, who is also an injury prone type of player, but it's a different position, and you try and mix things up and you maybe bring in a player like him. Uh, another one is Kevin Love. Once again, you're talking about players that you don't necessarily really want, but you could probably get him for Kemba Walker, and maybe he can get a little. You can get a little bit more out of him at a different position. You bring in another big man. He helps with the other guys. Those are the kind of things that I'm hearing, and a lot of people are going to be like, "Oh, gross! I don't want Kev, you know Kevin Love on this team, or I don't want Kristaps Porzingis. He always gets injured." But I, I that's what you're going to have to kind of get. I think. I mean, Kristaps
2: Porzingis. I'm not. I'm fully opposed to that at all. I honestly. think people
0: are just like really. I mean, he missed a lot of games again this season, so he's just constantly injured. So yeah. if you're all, if you're getting his much production. But I mean, Injury between wise, like Kemba. him
2: and, and Lob, I mean, I feel like you might get a full center out of those two.
0: Oh, I'd love it. And uh, the fact that Kristaps uh, can actually step back and hit threes and opens up the floor more that way, that's better for what our system has usually been, right? Pass yeah. the ball, move it around, shoot the threes. Yeah, he's
2: probably a better shooter than Tice was. Oh,
0: know? yeah, yeah, 100%. But it's the Kenny stay on the floor factor. Mm. So, you know, you're going to have to get a player like that for him. So, it, but I, I say, I guess, roll the dice, right? Mm. You know, we don't we don't have anything out of Kemba, really. Really, or at least now he wants to leave.
2: If we can trade little Kemba Walker for some size anywhere, right, whether it's Kevin Love or whether it's Porzingis or anything, I think it's an added bonus because when he's on the court, we are undersized. Yes. you know. So if he's off the court, that means Marcus is going to play more. Uh, you're probably going to be looking towards playing Pritchard a little bit more who's a better defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like those ideas. And then you know, who knows what else we might the Celtics might do this offseason. So. Yeah.
0: We'll see. Uh, hopefully, it's good. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of question marks, and I, I think that uh, as far as this team has always gone, it's been better when we had a a not a superstar type point guard, somebody that we could get a lot more out of. At least when Brad was the coach, I'm not going to say. Now we can do it the same exact way with the, whatever the new coach is, but obviously Brad will be looking over the shoulder. So maybe you he can help with the point guard situation. But I've always thought that it's better for you to get a mid-level guy and get more out of him than was expected than to try and go sign your Kemba Walker, and then all we're thinking is like uh, he's not living up to that potential, right? Yeah. Try and get that for the team. But the only other real Celtics news that I uh, had heard recently uh, was I- involving actually Tatum. I don't know if you heard about this, but I wanted to talk about this too. So the newest news uh, for Tatum, right, is uh, is all regarding around the NBA, all all NBA teams, right? I don't know if you saw those were released the other day. Um, it's the the basically the top fifteen players in the league. It's not technically that way because you still have to get the top big men and the top uh, you know forwards in there or whatever. So it's not all the top fifteen best players, but at their positions, that's how it works. Tatum did not make any of these top three teams, top three NBA teams. And because of that, in his contract, if he didn't make the all-NBA team there, he wasn't able to get a $33 million bonus added onto his contract going forward. So just because he didn't make that team – and it's all a voting process too. Mm. It's majorly based on like voting. I'm trying to remember who from, but it's a voting process there. So people just didn't vote him into the top 15 players, and now he loses out on this bonus. I don't know. It's, it kind of sucks for him. Uh, same thing with uh, Donovan Mitchell over on the Jazz. But yeah, what, what did you think about that? I don't yeah, know if you heard I
2: mean, about it. I mean, uh, I also think it's obviously probably due to his... Lack of longevity, maybe at this point in his career, he hasn't proven enough.
0: But I, I for me, know. for I me, just, that's
2: crazy because it's like because uh, like did I read that Ben Simmons is on that list? Or so something, I, I want
0: to. I can give you the the top three right now. Yeah. So first team was Jokic, who was the MVP. Obvious yeah. uh, decision there. Giannis, Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, and Kawhi Leonard. All right, Agreed. I I don't see any problems there. The next team, second team, is uh, Chris Paul. Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, and LeBron James, which I thought that LeBron actually wasn't on there. So maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing right here because LeBron definitely shouldn't have been on there for the amount of time that he missed. And then from what I'm seeing right here, am I looking at the right list? It's uh, The third team is Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, who was the defensive player of the year, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George was your last ones there. Mm -hmm. So... Um, to me, if I'm looking at the right list here, which I need to... This is from Shams. I mean, so I'll, I'll even show what I'm looking at to to coach right now. I believe that's the right one. If that's the case, I don't think LeBron should have been on that list for how much time he missed. I don't know. I don't think that Tatum missed more time than LeBron did. And I think that Tatum would have been at a, a you know, overall more consistent level throughout the entire year. I'm just saying.
2: LeBron going to be on that list because he's LeBron. Uh, guys that shouldn't be on that list over Tatum... In my opinion, is Paul George. Uh, That's that would one you. Even though he did have a good game last night, but like we're talking about, like during regular the season. It's this a regular year. season award. That's what I'm saying. Like Tatum, ball the regular season. Yep. He deserves to be on that list over Paul George. I would even I would even make the case that he deserves it more than Jimmy
0: Butler in this case. So yeah. Jimmy Butler was a triple double machine this year, though. Yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, it, it I just mean, think he that Kyrie.
2: I mean, uh, I mean Kyrie obviously deserves it. Yeah. And then it's uh, Bradley Beal a hundred percent deserves it. But I feel like I put Bradley Beal and Tatum in the same category. I feel like as far from like a a score perspective, like his ability to,
0: uh, yeah, I think it's still just stats though. At the end of the day, as much as, but it is a voting. So, I mean, at the end, you might be right. So it's, it's a voting thing.
2: So that's what I'm saying. Statistically, like, I just don't understand how, you know, I've, I mean, maybe maybe I, I haven't looked at the stats enough, but, you know, Paul George versus uh, Jason right. Tatum is like, you know...
0: I guess I'd have to look into that a little bit better, but I feel as though Paul George was another one. I, I don't know. Something about the amount of games played should have to enter your mind when you're guess when you're voting for these things, and I get it. LeBron should always be there. I still say he's the best player in the league, but this year was the first year where he took a very extended period of time off in a season where there are less games than normal. And he's still going to make this. I just don't think that that should be the case there. This should be the year of any years that he could miss in all teams. It's the year that he actually was injured for once. I don't think that that's a big thing against or or anything against LeBron. But I think that Tatum was more consistently there for you over the entire year and, and played more. As far as I remember, I, I guess maybe I'm not. If I'm not seeing the right stats, I'm not seeing the right stats. But it is what it is. All right. I have to admit that the conversation with Coach Kameyer was recorded from yesterday. So there has been some breaking news that has happened today. And so I obviously have to get into that. Uh, I'm going to get back to the conversation with Coach Kameyer and we're going to talk about the Patriots next. But I first have to insert the fact that since we spoke yesterday, and I really wish this news had broke yesterday (laughs) because it would have been nice to talk about this with Coach Kameyer, but the Celtics have traded Kemba Walker to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. Now, uh, the Celtics also gave up a first-round pick, which is the 16th overall pick in the 2021 draft, and a 2025 second-round draft pick, which who the heck cares about that? but so basically you're trading Kemba and a first round pick for Al Horford, Moses Brown and a and a second round pick. So I I mean we were talking about it you know coach Camire and I were talking about it. We didn't mention Al Horford's name. I was hopeful that that wasn't going to be the piece that they were going after and I'll explain why. Uh and and, and if you've If you've known me, uh, especially back when Al Horford was on the Celtics, I was the one of the major uh, Horford defenders. Um, You know, I was the guy who was saying that you know the stat sheet doesn't matter, you are not watching what he's actually doing, all that stuff. So uh, it's funny that this time around, I might not be a big fan of the whole trade, but you had to get rid of Kemba Walker. You had to get rid of a player who wanted out just as badly as you wanted him out. Uh, You weren't going to get anything back. Good for him. Right. I think it was almost even wishful thinking to get Kevin Love or Christoph's Porzingis, because at least in Porzingis's case, he's still young. Yes, he's injury prone, but he's still young and he's shown flashes of dominance as a big man, as a six, uh, a seven foot three big man that can shoot threes consistently. Um, And then you got Kevin Love, who's at the end of his career. So I thought that that was more likely and the one that I would have wanted. But, you know, I I don't know what the Cavs are doing over there and what was available. So you end up getting Al Horford, who has worked in our system before. Now, at this point in his career, I don't think that from a playing standpoint, there's a ton of upside here. He will be, you know, a, a solid player to put into the rotation as a depth piece, I guess. And hopefully he'll be a good veteran leader that can help with some of these younger kids. Um, And, and I think that, you know, as far as things go, the contract situation is going to end up being the best thing from this trade for the Celtics. So, uh, w- with this this trade here, the Celtics will be saving nine million in salary between the the Kemba versus Al Horford contracts going into next year. So, right there, you got a little bit more money for the team to work with going forward. Uh, and, and and that's a good thing because Kemba's contract was going to really hamstring you to not being able to go after the players that you wanted this offseason. But also, Horford's 2022-2023 salary is only partially guaranteed, which gives the Celtics a bunch of options uh, with how they're going to be, be able to proceed here. So um, it, essentially what they're trying to do here is create a path to adding that third star on the team that can work with... Tatum and Brown so you know it's a more tradable contract so now you have that and then also you you know you have the Marcus Smart deal right the the contract that should be a little bit easier to trade as well so maybe you can package some type of smart and uh, Al Horford deal for something or maybe you're just kind of getting rid of Al Horford so you have a lot of space cap space since it won't be fully guaranteed in 2022 so, I mean, those would be the, the, as a Celtics fan, those would be the points that you would want to be happiest about this. Now, you can't be happy about the exact return. You just can't. There's no way that you're excited to get Al Horford back. Maybe you're excited by the prospect of Moses Brown, who showed a little bit, uh, you know, a few flashes here and there last year, but or this year, I should say, but I I, I You can't really expect much at this point from Al Horford in his career. Now, yes, I think that him going to Philly was stupid because him and Embiid just made no sense to be paired next to each other. And then you go to to the Thunder, and that team is clearly trying to tank. So they ended up basically sending him home at a point in the season. So Al Horford didn't uh, really participate through the entire season, but he was playing okay in the beginning, but once again, it's, it's always going to be easier for a veteran player to get stats and play decent on a team that is, that has nobody, right? That has a bunch of rookies and you're the only veteran talent really. And I know that they, the, the thunder have that, that guy that I can never pronounce his name, something, something, Alexander, I believe <laughs> something starts with an S I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but they didn't really have a lot on that team going for them. So Al Horford could look pretty decent because he's on a bad team. Now, as long as the expectations are extremely low for the Celtics or for him with round two on the Celtics, I should say, then we'll be okay. It's just that I, I, and I think that that'll happen because the first time around, obviously Celtics fans hated Al Horford for the fact that he had too big of a contract and he didn't show up enough on the stat sheet for that to seem like it would fit. Uh, Understandable, though I do still think he had some major performances where, you know, he he did have some statistical performances, but he also had just great games where he wasn't necessarily filling the stat sheet, but he was doing everything that we needed. I feel like this team has missed that since he was gone. Uh, My buddies always used to make fun of me for defending him about how he was such a great uh, guy in the screens. He could set you the meanest screen out there. But hey, maybe that's something that this team was missing and maybe that he that's something that he can teach to a young player like Rob Williams or uh, you know, make the the bigs who we bring in a little bit better. Hopefully that can be a point for it. But if you're expecting Al Horford to be giving you 30 minutes starter minute type deal and, 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 and giving you what you want from a center position. I, you can't, I, I, I don't see what you're going to, you're just going to be disappointed. You're setting yourself up for disappointment. So low expectations on Al Horford from a playing standpoint for, for the, the side that I can get on board with is the fact that his contract is easier to move than Kemba's. His contract is not guaranteed in 2022, 2023, or it's only partially guaranteed. Um, and, and, you know, that's going to be better for the team going forward uh, as far as moving on and trying to make this team into the team that it needs to be to win a championship. You got Tatum, right? I've already talked about how I'm willing to kiss his butt in any way that we can. So get him the coach that he wants, get him another player that he likes, and let's keep this thing moving. So it's, it's crazy timing at this point in the year to have this trade happen uh, hey, it's it's Brad Stevens' first move as a GM, right? And I, I guess with this one here, there weren't going to be a lot of upside to trading Kemba Walker. So it's not like he could really get this one wrong, right? Who are you going to actually get for a broken asset in Kemba Walker? Um, so I think that Brad Stevens did good on his first GM trade that he's ever had. So uh, for what he could get back... I was hoping for Kevin Love. He ended up with Al Horford. He also got Moses Brown there. We'll see if that kid can turn into anything. And he didn't really give up much because, in all honesty, we've always held on to these number 16 overall draft picks. And what has that really gotten you? Nothing much. So it is what it is. The Celtics now have Al Horford back on the team again, and Kemba Walker is headed to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And, you know, I hope the best for Kemba in the future, and I hope the best for his knees, but it was time to move on. That was pretty clear. Are you interested in working in a professional studio environment? Whether you're a podcaster, new or old, or a musician just trying to get that professional sound Ultrasound Production Studio is now available for podcasters, musicians, and everyone in between that are looking to get that great quality and production value that comes from working at a professional studio. If you're interested in something like that, please visit the website at UltrasoundProductions.com or just email UltrasoundPro at Yahoo.com or even call at 781-956-2426. For more information. Okay, let's switch gears again one more time. I got a little bit more time with coach here and so obviously I wanted to talk about the Patriots. Uh it, it is off season, it is mini camp season, which uh, the mini camp just ended. Uh it, you know, you you got through the OTAs and now mini camp and then we'll be moving on to the remainder of the off season, but so far uh, just wanted to kind of g- gauge where you were at with the team, things that are going on. Obviously, one of the major situations that we have is Stefan Gilmore is holding out. That stinks. I really hope that he is going to be able to be signed for this team. I want him back for just this season. I'm OK with signing him to like a two or three year deal at whatever money he needs. And then in the offseason, you kind of trade him kind of thing. That's where I'm at with him. And then we got to talk about the quarterbacks as well. So overall, how have you been feeling about the offseason so far as far as the workouts go?
2: Um, I think it's uh, showed a lot of promise. I think it looks like our defense is going to be our strong point, which we kind of predicted. As it should. Um, And it looks like Cam is playing much better. Um, Cam understands the offense He had a great day yesterday uh yeah he had a tough day in the rain everybody's giving him uh some crap for and everything like that which i want to get
0: to that in a second but you continue
2: is what it is um from a uh perspective looking at like mac jones early on it looks like you know he definitely is doing the right things he's getting there early he's you know making uh you know the effort to, you know, compete for that starting job. Yeah, but, and, and
0: they're giving him the... Uh, uh, that was another thing that I talked about last week, but continue, I, we'll get into all of that. Yeah, so.
2: but I just don't uh, know if we should be rushing that narrative along, like, uh, you know, trying to make it seem like Mac's doing a lot better oh, yeah. than Cam and all that that I've Everybody's been seeing gonna over the it, past though. week. It's just... Uh, I think we just let let the kid grow, let the kid develop, and he can really be something special in like a year. Like I'm planning. I agree. But, I agree with uh, all that. I don't want I don't want this whole thing to turn into like oh Cam throws one bad pass in practice and now everybody wants to get head. rid of him. Like come on now.
0: And there are going to be those fans no matter what that because he was a first round pick he, they want him in immediately. And those fans I would say don't know that much because it, in all honesty, especially with this system, you need to be able to grow into it. And yes, Belichick is giving him as much opportunity right now as you would want him to give but like i said in the last episode that you weren't here for mac jones was getting second uh the second reps right stidham this was when um cam newton was out and stidham was getting the technical first reps but mac jones was getting the second reps against the first team right mm. so the the entire time for the media it looked like stidham was getting the first reps but he was going against the twos yeah that's and, how it works usually yeah, but, but- Um, So, but what I'm saying from that is, they're they're kind of trying to push Mac Jones against that tougher defense right now, right? Big time to give him as much, you know, as possible as he can handle.
2: Like I said, like let the kid develop. So, like that's usually what like any football team that I've ever been a part of, whether playing or coaching, that's usually what you do: the ones going against the twos, and then the twos on offense go against the ones on defense. Mm So, um, you know, and it gives you a chance to obviously, if you're a two and you're balling out against the starters now coaches can be like oh look what he's doing with the second strings you yep. know what i mean or uh vice versa if you're the dude that is currently in the first string position and then you know you're going up against the twos and you're not doing so hot then you can be like oh he's not even doing well against the twos you know what i mean yeah right right so right. he's got to pick uh, it up or exactly or make so i change. think for mac as a young player to go up against the best of the best is is really good for him to learn because that that's the only way to learn is like be throw him in the fire and mm-hmm. everything and kind of learn against a you know, top your tier wet. defense. Yeah, exactly. That's what we want. So I think uh, you know moving forward that he's going to be able to do that all season. He's going to be able to you know run up against our first team as he you know, replicates what other. Yeah. teams are doing as well as like learning the facets of the Patriots offense. That's the big part. While sitting behind Cam Newton, learn the book. We all know that Cam is going to make mistakes this year. Cam's not like a perfect quarterback. He's not, pre- not no, no no one is, you know, <laughs> maybe Tom Brady, but that's for another story. Yeah, But uh for for this year, I think it is it's great you let the kid sit back, figure out everything that Cam Newton does though incorrectly and everything and mm-hmm. then you know you from there you can really utilize all that information that you're gaining and then be able to you know fall out the next year when you're going to be the presumed starter plus there's
0: something to be said about the 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 want that you create for mac jones to be the guy right the more he wants more effort to prove to keep proving that he can be the guy and the more he has to go over cam newton to do it the better i think it's going to be for his learning process his Mm. learning curve because he's going to want to soak up as much as he can i saw a uh, tweets about the fact that he was the first one out at practice the other day. Uh, he was he had beat everyone out there by ten minutes, and that's what you want to see out of your rookie quarterback. That's going to be taking over for the future there. I just want him to stay hungry, right? So yeah. if he doesn't play in the first year, he's going to continue to be hungry. Yeah. If he goes in and gets destroyed week four by Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, yeah, you don't want you to, you know, do like what like, are we doing?
2: Like we're not we like that's just going to destroy the kid's confidence. I just early on. there's
0: no point in doing that to You've me. Watch
2: we watched bad teams do this with. Good quarterback. You just throw them in there, and they you get throw destroyed. them in there. Yeah, they get destroyed. And, and then three you years never later, they're on another team you as a backup. Never hear about them. Yeah, yeah. so you so can't it's, have that happen with Mac Jones. We need to nurture this kid. Exactly. Spoon feed him. That's fine by me. And then. You know, next year, tw- season twenty twenty two, he'll go out there and he'll do some special things. I right. think, but I agree, I um, agree. I think this year we just, you know, redshirt him, see what we have.
0: Yeah, redshirt him. Um, but I did want to just uh, lastly talk about real quickly the the whole uh, dumping on Cam Newton thing. It really pissed me off earlier this week, which and and by the way, I always have to preface this by saying because I always feel like I'm coming to the aid or 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 defending, backing up Cam Newton, but I never wanted him in the beginning, right? I you know. I, I never wanted the guy, but I'm you still know. going to to back him here because what happened was he comes out after being out for having a bone bruise in between his his index and thumb on his throwing hand, and he wasn't able to get throws off. Uh, the week before he comes out and the first practice he comes back to it's pouring rain outside mm. and they're having him do a throwing drill and he doesn't look good and people are dumping on him like he's absolutely done he doesn't get yeah. any kind of leeway for coming back from a hand injury on his throwing hand yeah. and throwing in the rain first day back yeah. I don't, how does that make any sense for I get that you hate him yeah. you don't want to I be see. the quarterback but grow up What yeah. like why would you hate on the guy you don't even give him the first yeah. day back and then he comes the next day when it's nice and, and everything and he dominates yeah. right so like what the hell was that
2: yeah it's, it's just a little ridiculous because obviously if it's pouring rain out you are coming back from a hand injury it's First extremely extremely hard to throw How, the ball like uh, what do you expect but regardless of that like making excuses for guys and everything we're looking everybody's basing their information off of a couple clips uh that you saw right. from a practice True. you know what i mean on a, a you know no defender, just yeah. like you know, right. just throwing the ball in the corner of the end zone type and drill and everything. We're just getting back into it, and we're getting exactly yeah, like on air. Like yeah. it means nothing. 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 It at means all. anything. So I take more into consideration what they do when they're in seven on seven, or what they're doing when they're in eleven on eleven right. drills. Like, this which is, he just dominated yeah like that's and then that actually means something because like we uh, we know the Patriots have a very good defense this year there you go and if cam's able to do that against you know a, a solidified defense then we know we're making and he's it, he's, making, he's already made strides from where he was started. last year you right. know and the, and I think belichick has been the one to point that out I think
0: even this time last year was he even signed yet he wasn't I, even signed I don't him. even we didn't think... sign
2: him till like July last
0: year I think so so he didn't and then they didn't even really get an off season. so He's obviously way ahead of where he was last year because he's actually been on this team the whole time. But to 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 destroy him for that practice in the rain and then when the good practice comes up they don't say anything about say that anything. and then they also don't say anything about the fact that Mac Jones kind of stunk. He mm. went 11 for 20 and threw a couple interceptions in that yeah. practice. Where was that? Where was the like uh, I didn't hear any well yeah. maybe Mac Jones isn't the answer guys because yeah. that's
2: It's just people it, trying to people in the media trying to push like certain nat- uh, narratives yeah. like oh like Cam's doing awful. Max competing for the starting job this year. Like he's trying this, to do that for no reason. Yeah, you're just, no, get, you're just trying to get. It's just clickbait, honestly. So yeah. it's like, and maybe it you
0: know. got me riled up. So maybe you got what you wanted. Exactly. And so that's fine. But it's still, I still just find it ridiculous, and I'm always going to point it out. That's how I feel. But I know you got to get going. So uh, coach, we will talk to you again next week, and we'll get into more of this stuff. Thank you. All right. So we have one last topic to go over, uh, and it's it's in the hockey world. I figured I'd finish everything up with uh, the Tuca Rask situation and things that I continue to see on social media and people defending and talking about how it's ridiculous, how people want to move on from Tuca Rask. I just want to talk about it again. I've talked about it a lot of times, but I want to talk about it again uh, because there's this continued narrative from the Tuka fans or stands or whatever you want to call them that... There's no point in getting rid of Tuukka Rask because look at how great he's been and how he's a top five goaltender in the league and, uh, you know, he's consistently great in the regular season and how are you going to give up like the grasses and greener on the other side always and all these types of things, basically just talking about how it's ridiculous that any fan is even wanting or thinking about getting rid of Tuukka Rask because of how good he has been. And to that, I I, I think you're just not getting the point of my argument. Now, there are certainly a lot of haters out there that just want to get rid of him and they don't really have any good backing for why they want to get rid of him. But uh, my argument, I believe, is one that has a little bit of logic behind it. And, And I think it's something that even the biggest Tuca fans can hopefully at least understand if you can't. Then you're just too blind and, and uh, you, you don't care what anyone thinks. You think that everyone who doesn't want to go around is just wrong. So I'm always just trying to have a conversation about it, have a debate, whatever you want to say. But there's got to be two sides to the coin, right? So you got to be at least able to think about it. And I continue to admit that Tuka Rask is a top five goaltender in the league. He is consistently the best one of, if not the best positional goalies in the league. I love the way that he can, you know, read situations. He always stays calm. I've talked about it before. His nature is that he just doesn't really care, which can be good and bad um, when you're going into road situations and he just doesn't care. He's just going to play the same game. That's a good thing when he's getting into a situation where it's a, a crucial game and he just doesn't care if, he doesn't perform, that's a bad thing. So where I'm at right now with Tuca is I'm not saying that he isn't a top five goaltender. I'm not saying that he isn't going to continue being that going forward. All I'm saying is at what point do we just try to switch things up, right? I'm sorry, but the goaltender position is one specific position that you can't just uh, continue to uh, allow it to be the same, I think. With the forward situation, and and this is one of the things that the Tuca Rask fans always say, well, why do you always have to attack Tuca? Why can't you just get more pieces around him? Well, the thing is, I think that they've tried to do that, right? They've tried to switch up the forward lines, and no, they're not going to ever get rid of Bergeron or Marchand or Pasternak, so that would be ridiculous. But and And yes, they have moments where they don't show up as well, but... You're talking about uh, uh, other positions on the team that they're trying to mix up the second lines of forwards, third lines, fourth lines of forwards. You're trying to mix up the D pairings. You got rid of Chara. You're trying all these different things where you're moving personnel. But Tuca can't be touched, right? It, it's never Tuca that needs to be switched up. It's it's everyone else is what they always are saying. And all I'm saying to that is how many years do we keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? He's already proven to us what he can be, which is a top five goaltender, especially through the regular season, and a guy who can bring you pretty much to that peak of the mountaintop. And then, unfortunately, I'm sorry, Tuca fans, but you have to understand that he continues to you know, mess up in these gigantic moments. He either doesn't show up or he leaves or he lets in a few cheap goals and then all of a sudden it's still not his fault because they needed more offense or something like that. But don't you see the point that I'm trying to make that at the end of the day, you got to eventually switch something up, right? We've tried switching up the forwards. We've tried switching up the defense. The only thing we haven't tried to switch up is the goalie. And the other factor is... Tuca's contract has always taken up a big portion of what the cap space is. Do you not think that if instead of Tuca making eight or nine million dollars, if he was even just making, you know, five million dollars, you'd have a little bit more money to put some more players around him? So... I mean, I guess if Tuca's willing to come back on an extremely low contract because he doesn't want to play anywhere else, but he does want to play. And I've heard even crazy people on the radio saying, like, what if he wants to come back for three million a year? Of course, I would love to have a top five goaltender in the league for three million a year. But I just don't see that happening. If he is willing to take a gigantic hometown pay cut. I guess you'll run it back because then you can use that money to go get other players for defensive and offensive purposes. But at the end of the day, I think that the real change just needs to be a moving on to try and see what you have in other goaltenders. I'm sorry that that's what it's coming to, but he's had enough opportunities to get the job done with different players in front of him, different defensive pairings, different offensive pairings. It's just... Something that needs to change. I get it. You don't want to see him leave. It's okay. Things do change eventually. You got to try something new if you want to win the Stanley Cup. That's just how I feel. You can't just look at Tuca and his performances and just say that there's nothing wrong with him because a lot of the Tuca fans say that. I will say that the other side of the coin is there's a lot of haters that give him too much grief when they don't or they shouldn't do that. I'm trying to be objective here. All I'm saying is eventually, when you've tried everything else, you gotta try and switch up the goaltender here. Okay, so just a little bit more complaining about this whole Tukarass situation before I let you guys go and you move on to the rest of your day. Uh, i I just think as though with when it comes to the Tukarass situation in, in 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 all honesty, Uh, it's a lose-lose in a lot of scenarios, right? Because as as a Bruins fan, either you're losing out on a top-five goaltender that's going to get you at least to the playoffs but can't get the job done, or you're going to go with a rookie guy who, let's be honest, there could be major question marks. And this is another thing that Tuca fans keep bringing up is like, this Swayman kid has only played about 10 games. Yes, he's looked good. But how can you trust in that? You, you trust in Tuca to at least get you that consistent uh, playoff run or, or to the playoffs every single year with this team. He's going to win you games throughout the year. But at the end of the day, what does that get you if he's going to still mess up at the end? I, I, I just – there's <laughs> – I'm continuing to repeat myself here. I get that. But for the people who are just backing Tuca no matter what – do you actually care about winning a championship or do you just want to be able to argue for Tuca? Because if if those are two different types of people, then I just don't want to listen to the people who just want Tuca to be the goalie and continue to get good stats because they're enjoying that because they just like fighting for Tuca. I get that. When we're doing sports debates, sometimes you just get married to a take and you have to keep fighting for it. I've been there many a times. I even just—I mean—I used to uh, root for Kyrie Irving when he was on the Celtics, and I was one of the only ones. And I would try and back him and things like that. No longer, uh, if if you've been listening, but uh, those those things happen. You get married to a take. You get you get uh, married to a player that you just love so much. That's what sports are about. That's what being a fan is about. A fan is a fanatic, basically a crazy person, right? So we're dealing with crazy person, crazy people debating over players and what should happen with these teams but there's got to be a part of you that wants to see something else there's got to be a part of you that wants to uh, to to see what we have to to try a new thing to see if the Bruins can really make something of this core and I'm sorry I don't put Tuca in that core because he didn't win anything in 2011 all right That's another thing that I argue with people about. Some people actually even think that Tuka Rask has already won. So why does he have to prove anything? I'm sorry, but if you feel that way, that's pretty sad to me. If you think that he actually had anything to do with the 2011 Stanley Cup run whatsoever, I urge you to look back at the stats. And if you don't believe the stats, I urge you to go back and look at the actual games played during the season. He didn't play a single playoff game. He played one of his worst regular seasons he's ever done. I believe he was like 5 and 11, 4 and 11, something like that. Just terrible. And Tim Thomas took over and destroyed uh, everyone on his uh, standing on his head on his way to being, you know, the best goalie in the playoffs. It's just what he did. There are goalies that do that every single year and bring their team all the way. And yet, Tuukka Rask has not been able to do it. And it's great that he's a great regular season goalie. It's a great thing that the the Bruins have been able to continue to make the playoffs consistently year after year. And in part, majorly because of that goaltending. He certainly covers up some flaws. But do you not think that there's any other goalie that can do something like that for a team? Do you not look around the league and see these young goaltenders that are making less than a million dollars for their team, bringing, standing on their head, playing out of their minds and, and bringing them to a Stanley Cup championship? You literally just saw it a couple of years ago in Jordan Bennington, 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 whatever his name was who was a rookie at the time, comes in and outplays Tuka Rask in a Stanley Cup and basically wins them that Stanley Cup. It just happened. I, there's nothing you can argue about that. It happened. The proof is in the pudding. You saw the games. You saw the results. It is what it is. We've given it enough times. We've given it enough chances for Tuka to prove that he can be the guy that will get you and bring you all the way and i think that the 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 run in 2018 was the last chance that he really had to to show you right uh because this year this year i thought that they had a good chance but uh, you know you never know what's going to happen for as far as as you continue to get further into the playoffs there you had the ultimate playoff run route whatever you want to call it you didn't have to play the the hardest teams in 2018 and then you lose to a, a st louis blues team that wasn't better than you they just weren't and their goalie wasn't better than yours but he played better so at the end of the day I keep saying that at the end of the day why are you trying to pay so much for a goalie where you could you could pay a heck of a lot less for a swayman or someone else and get more production out of other areas on the team because you have more money to spend. Do you not get that? Do you not get that argument? It's not all hate coming, at least from me over here. Yes, he frustrates me, but I will admit every single time that he's a top five goaltender in the league. He's the best positional goalie in the league. The things that he does is amazing. It's great. And I, I appreciate what he did for this team. But eventually, you get to a point where you've been given so many chances and the results continue to be the same exact thing that we just have to change it. I'm sorry, Tuca fans. It's got to be time. I-, I guess I'll take him back on one more year for like two or three million, but I'm not going to be happy about it. I think it's time to move on and try to win one more Stanley Cup with Bergeron and Marchand and Krejci. I think that is just time. All right, that'll do it for another episode of The Claptrap. I just want to say thank you to anyone who is listening along here. I really appreciate the listens that you guys are giving me. Uh, This is going to be up everywhere. Podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever you can find. Just search The Claptrap. You'll be able to download it. Also, if you could search The Claptrap online to find my website as well, uh, you can find any of the episodes and things going on there. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at The Claptrap. I post clips. I give updates on the gambling segments. Um, I try to interact with everyone uh, on on those social media sites and, and talk sports, whatever you want to talk there. You can ask me questions. I'll ask you questions, whatever you guys want to do there. I always appreciate the engagement that I'm getting with you guys online online. Uh, and I'm going to keep bringing you these episodes every week uh, and and hopefully give you some of the most ridiculous takes that you can either go along with or argue against, and we'll have some fun with it. So thank you again, guys. Uh, this is also going to be playing every week on Friday between 12 and 2 on WKKL, which is down the Cape at 90.7 WKKL. Uh, It's also on their website, WKKL.fm. That's another place that you can reach out and leave a voicemail or anything like that if you want to hear your voice, possibly on the radio asking a question. Uh, You can be involved with that as well. So thank you again, guys. I appreciate it, and I will be back again next week. I hope you have a great rest of your week. See you later.
3: Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of Gambling Talk. Oh, yeah. Everyone's
0: favorite segment. Ending the show. Everyone loves the Gambling Talk segment here because we get your winners, right? Uh, well, that I guess is half correct because last week we gave you each three and three on our record, so a combined six and six given to you from the podcast. So if you followed along with everything, you broke even. Uh, but uh, so Cam, you know he was pretty good on his baseball picks, went two and one, but then he went one and two on the NBA picks. I as well, after talking so much crap about how good I had been doing in NBA, went one and two on my NBA picks, Um, but I was able to get you the Red Sox over. I was Upset that the Padres Mets over didn't hit. Uh, that was the DeGrom one, and they did score five runs. They needed one more. I had the over five and a half there, so that was brutal. I was really hoping that they were going to get that one. It looked like they were in a couple of situations, but ended up with five. That, that was a tough beat, uh, but I did give you the Islanders-Lightning over five and a half. They scored a million goals in that game, so that was pretty good right there. So We're going to try and keep it going into this next week right here. Uh, like I said, Cam had some good uh, or, or two, two and one on his MLB picks. So we're going to see if he can keep that going. And uh, we'll start off with him here. Actually, let's uh, just first remind you guys that uh, the overall records for the year are IM 107, 108, and 5, and Cam is 103, 113, and 4. And if you are looking for the breakdown of how each of us have done in each of the respective sports that we bet on, Please go and follow the Instagram or the Twitter page at The Claptrap. Uh, both of them have the information posted there, and I'm going to keep updating it there. So if you want to follow along and figure out who to fade, who to follow, go ahead and follow the Instagram or Twitter pages at The Claptrap. But let's get into Cam's picks here,
3: see what he's got for you. Yeah, Cam's best bets of the week, only giving you winners all the time. It's Cam doing the damn thing. All right, here we go. I got a bunch of winners for you guys this week, and we're starting off with baseball. The first game I'm giving you is Nationals' money line at home against the Mets. These Nationals are much better at home. And even though they only beat up on the Pirates last, I think they're going to keep it going against this Mets team here. And I don't trust the Mets when they don't have DeGrom on the mound. So that's what I'm going with. Next pick, Braves. Minus one and a half at home against the Cardinals. The Braves have been putting up a ton of runs recently, mostly against my Red Sox. And I think they'll keep it going here at home against the Cardinals. Next one is the Astros. Money line versus the White Sox. I just think this one could be a battle, but at the end of the day, I'm taking the Astros to cheat their way to victory somehow. Lastly, I'm going with the Giants' money line at home against the Phillies. The Giants are beasts at home, and they got Quato going, the pitcher who's going to turn it around and spin a gem out there. So Giants' money line at home against the Phillies. Now I'm going to go over to the basketball court. We're going to take... Hawks plus three at home against the Sixers. I just think that the Sixers are frauds as always, so the Hawks are just going to take it from them right now. Next game going with the Jazz minus one and a half at the Clippers. I don't think that the Clippers can keep it going without Kawhi, so I'll take the Jazz here to win it by more than a point and a half. Last game I'm going with is Nets. It's a pick 'em at home against the Bucks and I just trust that Durant is going to show up more than Giannis will in a game 7. That's Cam's best bets of the week.
0: All right. You heard him. Those are Cam's bets. He's got seven big picks for you for baseball, three NBA picks uh, and some strong reasoning behind those picks, too. So we're going to find out what happens with those picks. And once again, I'm going to keep plugging it. The social media pages at the Claptrap have all of the information about all of our picks that we've done. Throughout the whole year, what we're good at, what we're bad at. So go follow along if you want to know that information. But let's move on to my picks now. And I am going to actually start reverse order of Cam here, starting off with the NBA. I am going with the 76ers-Hawks game. I am taking under 221.5 in this game. I do think that the Sixers will end up winning this game and forcing a Game 7, to be honest with you. But I think if they're going to do that, they're going to have to do it defensively. You also just think that uh, you know it, the only way that they can stop the Hawks is to hold, uh, slow down Trey Young. If they can find a way to do that... That I feel like they'll be able to keep it under 221 and a half as well. So, under 221 and a half in the Sixers Hawks game. Next pick I'm going with is the Jazz Clippers under 220 in that one. There is no Kawhi Leonard. Uh, and I think that this uh, this series here mostly has gone with the overs throughout. There was only one game that was hit that hit an under in this one, and it was extremely close. So the majority of the games have gone over easily. I think this is going to be the one that goes under uh, as you got to play those odds there. Last game I am going with in the NBA is the Nets Bucks game. I'm taking the over 215 points. This kind of goes against my usual logic that in a game seven the players would be playing. I think in this one here, 215 is low enough that they'll be able to score more. They didn't score a ton of points last game. I think that you're going to get a big performance out of Durant. I think that Harden will actually be a little bit better scoring wise in this one. So I'm going to take over 215. I wouldn't be shocked if this one went to overtime. So I'm taking over 215 in the Nets-Bucks game. Let's move on to the baseball diamond. Uh, The first one that I'm going to pick is going to be the Red Sox-Royals over. I can't find one right now, though. I'm assuming it's because of how bad they've been playing recently. I wouldn't be surprised if this is upwards of uh, an over-under of like 10 and a half, 11 runs. I'm still going to take the over on this one here. Um, So taking the over, if you can find it on the Red Sox Royals game here. If it's not, if you can't find it tonight, if it pops up tomorrow, I'd probably take that one too. I'd take it all weekend. Uh, I I just think that this is the time to hit these overs, and you're going to see that as these next picks come out here in baseball. Like I had mentioned earlier in the segment, um, when I was talking about spider tag and everything like that, Eight out of the ten games in the MLB last night went over, so I'm I'm gonna be big on the overs here. The next game I'm going with is Tigers Angels over nine runs. That's another one, two bad teams with bad pitching that I think is just gonna go over here uh, in this one. So I'm taking over nine runs there. Phillies Giants. That was one of the ca- games that Cam picked. He he thinks it's gonna be a solid pitching matchup. I think it's not going to be. Uh, that Cueto guy kind of stinks. Uh, he he usually to be okay but Phillies giants i'm taking the over eight and a half runs and then the last one i'm going with is rays mariners over seven and a half runs that one seems really low there you got a couple of pitchers with high ERAs going and i think that they're going to be able to score some runs here so the spider Tack era is over uh at least for the next couple of weeks here i think we got to take advantage of it people a lot of overs for me in these uh games here four overs to be in fact uh in to be correct uh with the baseball picks here so Let's get after it and and get those overs, get some runs in these games here.